minute or two or three. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a little <laughs> while. <laughs> it's we're in a new year. Like we skipped a whole season, but in like last year, I think we released one episode. Yeah. But you people are Which, listening to us. Who are you? <laughs> who are you? Where are you coming from? Why are you here? Thank you. Thank you. But why are you here? We're back because um, you're listening. Like, <laughs> we will continue to do this if you continue to listen. <laughs> Just uh, much encouragement. So, I will say this. Okay. The one episode that we recorded last year yes. was my summer reading assignment for Bunny. And that was one of my top reads of the year like roman empire level i still think about it all the time i blind purchased mona iwad's new release this year rouge because i saw it at a comic con like mega fan instant love so you did a really good job with that that was perfection and i'm obsessed so for one episode uh I think we knocked it out of the park. I'll just go ahead and congratulate herself, I guess. But truly, like, if we're here to talk about, like, what happened in 2023 and what we read and loved and then kind of look to 2024, I have no idea what's going on in 2024. But Bunny was a great 2023 read that will live in my head for ages. And I completely failed like I do at most assignments at most assignment we called it an assignment and that's where you lost me I'm still gonna read mine it was really good but I kind of like I'm gonna be honest like I've spent most of this year just reading the like craziest horror (laughs) last year and thrillers that's fabulous though and let's not overlook that you had something like earth shattering occur like right after we made those assignments that you can now talk about yes i got a book deal this girl's a killer it's gonna be a a book it's got a gorgeous cover that i can't really show anybody yet ej's seen it and she can attest and it comes out in september i think september 10th actually it added on goodreads um nine ten and i will be doing a cover reveal in january so you will definitely see that if you follow me because i will post it everywhere but yes it was like it's so weird when you work toward this goal for so long um and then you kind of give up on it and then it happens and it's bananas the way it happens if you don't mind me like sharing that real quick because please (laughs) so those of you that don't know like me and ej live in different parts of the country we're not like together in the same room. We've met in person twice. Yeah, but it feels like a lot. Oh, no, three times now. Is it three? Oh, you're right. That's part of my story, three. yes. So I was on sub. The thing you need to know about This Girl's a Killer is this is a little book that would not quit. And it's the first thriller I tried to write, and I didn't know what I was doing with my first draft. It had a good kernel, like the color, the color, <laughs> the main character was good she was good the overall plot was good but the beats were a little off but so i signed with my agent on a revisory submit she gave me some good information on writing thrillers and i went back i made changes i signed with my agent and covid hit and suddenly i was getting a lot of this book is really dark and i just don't have the mental (laughs) space to work on a dark book right now and i thought this book was hilarious there's like dirty jokes in there there was a romance arc so I finally got an R&R from an editor, and they were like, hey, can you check out this romance arc? I think that book may have been finished up. And this is, like, just completely subjective, because I read a lot of thrillers, and a lot of them are, like, kind of spicy. But I was like, sure. So I did it, and this was right when there – there's always upheaval in publishing, like, always, 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. This was, like, right in the middle of, like, a big upheaval. Um and by the time I turned it in, this editor no longer worked in publishing. And I can't, like, fault her for that because, you know, she probably was overworked and overpaid and needed a better gig. But I was like, oh, no. And so back <laughs> on sub. for you, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, back on supplement because I had changed enough that my agent was comfortable resubmitting places as long as she was, like, upfront and honest or whatever. And um, the thing I kept the same about it was the beginning because I loved the beginning, but it was pretty intense. Um, I read a lot of horror and a lot of, like, psychological thrillers. So sometimes my 
my meter of what is intense is a little off. Like I need I need to take a break and read more of these things, I guess. So I was like, whatever, this looks great. And I was actually at meeting EJ for brunch in New Orleans because you were in New Orleans. Yes. Oh, we've met four times in person. Yeah. No, I <laughs> thought that was the third time. No. Okay. So we met in person uh, at RTCon, our debut year under different iterations. <laughs> then we had our own retreat. Then we went to our publisher's retreat. Yes. And then we met in New Orleans. So this was the fourth time we met. We're like okay. real, real life people. Now. Yeah. Yes. It was so weird the second time we met in person because we were like, hey, <laughs> hey. You're not a murderer, are you? Yeah. No. And this cabin in the middle of the woods in a state you don't want us to live in. That's the it didn't trust. even occur to me. And seriously, like, it didn't even occur to me that we'd only met in person once until I was, like, halfway on that drive. It was, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, this could this could objectively on paper be weird. Yeah. Well, and it, it was wasn't. Great, and then you were like, I don't know if we've never met except for one other time. And I was like, I don't know. It's so weird. Yeah. But, um, so we were having brunch, and then we kind of went our separate ways because you had some things you had to do um, to get ready to be in a parade, which was awesome. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And so I get a call from my agent, and she's like, hey, you know, what if we change the beginning? And I'm like, at this point, I consider this book dead, not because it got, like, a lot of rejections. It got a lot of, like, really close calls. A lot of, I mean, it got rejections. Obviously, it got rejections, but it got a lot of... Like, I feel like it took the right person to want this book because it's it's kind of genre poppy. And uh, so, she, so I changed the beginning. I, I did it for my agent because she had really, like, hung in there for me and, like, went to bat for me. Like, I don't think anybody else would have given this book as much of a chance as Anne Rose at That's Tobias what you Library. Want your agent like, to do. She believed in this book. Incredible. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it for Anne. And she was like, <laughs> don't overthink it because I, I overthink everything. And she's like, look, don't turn this into a big project. Just change some things around. Give yourself just like a week. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And like, no lie, I did that. And I had multiple phone calls three weeks later. And then it sold at auction. Like, it was... So freaking amazing. It was so fucking wild. And exactly was, what that book deserves. Like, the number of times you revised that thing and, <laughs> like, bent its shape around and transformed it while also, like, con- like keeping the heart of it that makes it so good. Well, like, my editor is so... I don't even she, know. She works for a thriller imprint and for, like, a book clubby imprint mm. at the same publisher. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But what was funny is, like, when I signed with her and she was like well we don't have a lot of edits it's like it's in pretty good shape and I'm just like okay sure as hell ought to be <laughs> you'd already paid your dues I'm like I'm done like I don't even remember what's in this book anymore but I do love it and uh yeah and everything's happening really fast that happened in 2023 and the book is coming out this year like they kind of fast tracked yes. it and I'm, I'm I can't wait to see it in a bookshop and pick it up and be like I know her and then buy it for everyone <laughs> I know I'm going to see it out and about, and because um, I use a pen name, because I live in a very small town, what's going to be funny is seeing it in, like, if it shows up in, like, somewhere local. Yay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Someone's going to be looking at it, and they're going to see your author photo on, like, the fold or whatever, and then you're going to be, like, down the aisle from them at the bookshop. It's funny. Well, the reason I use a pen name, it is not that deep, and it's not that serious. My dad refuses to listen to me and buys anything I write or reads anything I write, and they have, the P word is in this book, and I'm just like, no, no. Funny. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't, it's just, no, Bruce can't read this one, so no thanks. <laughs> I'm hiding from my parents. I am in my 30s, and I'm hiding from my parents, and that is why I have a pen name, and I'm okay with admitting that, honestly. I support this. I understand this. I mean, Southern Mamas, though. They're a lot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's my whole story. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We'll see you next year. <laughs> the end. The end. That's 2023. But I think... Uh, that, was big, that was a big headline of 2023. God, it feels like it happened pretty early in the year, and it's 
kind of consumes my year, like, in a good mm-hmm. way. Because As I it should. Like a lot of crazy crap happened last year, but that is still, like, the shining star. Like, good. literally, I had COVID twice, the flu once. <laughs> Every car we owned died. And my poor dog was dog. Yeah. Oh. Like, poor Winston is learning to relive his life, and I'm just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Like, nothing can get me down. Oh. Good. Yeah, so, I mean, that's all I got. I mean, I have, right. yeah. So, This Girl's a Killer, MSC Wells, September 10th. Support get ready. Yes. Put Ada on Goodreads now. Yes. So besides that, in all of the disasters and chaos that you just mentioned, yeah, how was 2023? Like, what did you read? What did you love? I feel like, I feel like I did not stop reading. Like, I read the whole year, but I am such a chaos gremlin mood reader that I can't <laughs> even keep up with what I read on Goodreads. Like, I forget. And I have, like, four Goodreads accounts, not because I'm trying to be sneaky. They're all under my name. It's because I forget I have a Goodreads account and start a new Goodreads <laughs> account. And, and I, I got rid of a lot of them, but it was pretty embarrassing. Like, I would have one on my tablet and one on my phone and then, like, one on my desktop. And I'm like, this is ADHD. Um, <laughs> but yeah. it was kind of neat. I remember the first thing I read in 2023 was Jackal. And I need to speak for that real quick. And it is, like, this Appalachian horror story. Ooh. And I think it was a debut. And... You know, it was, okay, Jackal by Erin Adams, Erin E. Adams, and it was a five-star read for me mm. right out the gate. Nice. Um, yeah, and I forgot that was this year. That's another problem is I, like, time is weird. Time is like, hard. Yeah, time is hard. It's not real. It's not real. It's actually through COVID, and so <laughs> I can't remember what I read this year and what I didn't. I'm pretty mm. sure I read Bunny, not this, not this year not in 2023 but in 2022 and that's why i told you to read it because the whole time i was reading it i was like you gave me love this book you gave me love this book it is bonkers in the best way oh she has a new book out too i think yeah she does it's okay i picked it up at new york comic-con i bought too many books like i know this is what everyone says but i bought too many books at new york comic-con because everything's fucking beautiful and right there in sign and so you just grab everything. So that was one of the ones I got. I'm really excited about it, but I haven't read it yet. It's called Rouge. My sister warned me that it has to do with the beauty industry, and it's really gross. Oh. It's like, what's going on? Like my jam. Yeah, it does. Yeah, something yeah. I've never done. And I like her writing <laughs> style, so I'm going to check it out. Yeah, her writing's beautiful. I, um, I'm reading a book right now that I think you would like. It's a pretty straightforward read. Like, I love Rachel Harris. She wrote The Return and Cackle. And yeah. The one about the werewolf. I, I cannot remember the name of the yet. one about the werewolf. But she has one out called Black Sheep. And it's got oh, this yeah. gorgeous cover. That I, cover like, does speak to me. I can't tell you too much about it because I there is a pretty significant little twisty twist on, like, chapter three or four. What? And when I tell you I gasped. I thought I knew what I was getting into. I knew it was like this straightforward thing. And um, as someone who grew up in a hyper, hyper religious situation, I was like, oh, yeah, I know what this is about. Did not. Did not know what this was about. Okay. You need to read it. I can't tell too much because I'll tell the premise. Okay. I was already on the cusp of returning or DNFing my first book of the year. And I just did it right now so that I can add Black Sheep to my Libby queue. Um, it looks like maybe it's not an audiobook, which is a shame. But I I'm going it, to get it. I'm like, going look, to get it. I am a slow reader. I'm a sloth because it's like I find that I use the same part of my re- brain for reading and writing. So if I sit too long uh-huh, reading, I'm like, I need uh-huh. to be writing something. Okay. I am almost done. I started this like yesterday or day before yesterday. And that's really fast for me. Like, I just couldn't get it down. Yeah, I never get so to slow. do that. Um, but also speaking of things that I consumed in, well, no, I did this last weekend, so it's technically 2024, but, uh, things that I've recently consumed and, uh, made me gasp. Have you watched Saltburn yet? No, I need to. Oh Tell me about it, though. my God. 
Okay. I really, both for you and for listeners, I don't want to tell you too much because the weirdness in like the spiral of it is part of the fun of it. Okay. But it starts as a college boy at Oxford who has a, a like in the opening lines he's like trying he's deliberating himself like I don't think I was in love with him but I loved him so this college boy who had this uh pull to this other boy at the university who was just extraordinarily one percenter rich okay. but he was also charming and everybody was his friend and Everybody helped it, you know, like everyone had the same pull to this guy and this guy like had to be his friend. And so you watch like the first part of it, you watch their friendship sort of take shape. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, the super rich guy invites the other kid to come home with him to Saltburn, which okay. is his ridiculously, ludicrously rich uh, British family's estate it's like it's like true classic estate like huge vast lands castle-like mansions everything and then once he gets there things start to shift a little bit and start to feel a little bit surreal and then they start to peel away some layers about what's going on and it is like I don't know if you've heard this yet, but the film has been getting a lot of buzz because people can't stop talking about a couple of scenes that are just like exceptionally gross. Oh. And it it has to do with like these layers of like deep obsession. So, and, and it's true, like you can't look away, but you're like cringing and it's so compelling. And then you get to the end and I will say there is like a twist reveal beat near the end where I was like, well, yeah, like I thought we'd established that already, but you didn't know the how yet. And so they reveal the how, and then it goes a few beats further and you're like, what? And so then you get to the end of it and you're like, like, I'm still trying to unravel a little bit. Like, what was the, what was the point? Like, what? what did I just consume? But it's so compelling from start to finish in magnetic. It's like, it's a film that has this weird charisma to it, if you will. Is it contemporary? Like it's contemporary. Okay. That's what Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure about. Okay. It's contemporary. It's not like a flashback to like the old days of Oxford, the good old boys or anything. Paranormal? No. Okay. No, but it is one of those stories that is so intense in its telling that it it starts to feel surreal in a way that I enjoy the same way I enjoy speculative. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah, you're making It's like me Family really Thing by this. Kevin Wilson. I had that same experience even though the tone of that's really different. But it's just like the absurdity of the situations and the intensity of certain situations is so bonkers that it's a similar experience for me. Okay. You're making me so it's it's just I had kinda I had seen the previews, like the short previews, and you really don't the previews kinda give you the aesthetic. Like I like mm-hmm. the treatment of it, but you don't really know what it's about from the previews. Yeah. And it sounds like they can't tell this is a problem with thrillers too. Like you can't really mm-hmm. tell too much. Yeah. Because then you're giving away the so no, I'm really excited to see this now. Like I'm gonna watch it this week. I don't feel like I've watched a movie it. in a long time that I've just been like obsessed with. You're going to be obsessed. Like I, like, I, I can't may... wait to talk to you about this again when you've read it or like, watched it. <laughs> I took my 18 year old to see Barbie, my 18 year old son, yes. when it came out, and I was like excited to talk to him about it. But yeah. I haven't. Um, yeah, I would love to watch a movie and just be like, oh my god. I miss that. I miss that with, like... This will do it. I've read a lot of books that I've really, really liked, too. But I feel like I haven't had that experience. And this isn't... This is no shade to anything I've read. Like, I read, like, an ungodly amount. 
and this isn't about a particular book. I feel like it's a different book for each person. Like it's not mm-hmm. necessarily the quality of the book, but like a book that just like you connect with. Takes hold. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want I ha I'm due for that. You know. Okay. Like just to read something and just be like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And mm. And then okay. other people can read it and they're like, Okay, that wasn't that was good, but you, you know, know, and then it's just so subjective. It's true. And you know, I read a lot of books that were like three and a half to five, four stars. Mm-hmm. And I got like two thirds into the year and I was like, I haven't read a book. Like I've read a lot of things that I've enjoyed, yeah, but I hadn't read anything that was like gripping to me yet. I hadn't, I, I hadn't really read anything that was like absorbing and compelling to me yet. Um, with the exception of happy place. Cause Emery, Emily Henry is just my romance queen. So I'd read that by that point. I had read Bunny by that point. But most of the stuff that I had read so far, it's like, this is is good. I would recommend it to other people, depending on what they like. I've not been consumed by this. And then I got into kind of a rhythm. Um, And then, like, we had some travel. So, like, like, right before we did some significant travel – I read Night Bitch by Rachel Yoder, and then back-to-back to back to back with that, I read Earthlings by Sayaka Murata, and both of those were, like, wild trips. No, I get it, because <laughs> I read Earthlings and Tender is the Flesh back-to-back, oh. and it's just like, what? I'm hurting myself on purpose at this point. But I'll tell Earthlings you, Earthlings is, is good, but, like, the part about Earthlings that was triggering to me like, and I'm saying, like, trigger warnings, check the trigger warnings for Huge. Earthlings. Like, even if you don't think you need to, just do it. Yeah. Just do it. It wasn't even I was the, pretty shocked, and I don't it, get shocked. Yeah. For me, it wasn't the stuff that was bad, though. Like, it wasn't even the the stuff that's obviously bad. It was everything the girl went through early on in her life, and it being detailed in the book. The abuse mm-hmm. from the teacher. I, I agree. Like, oh, my God. Like, that was the hard part. At the end, I'm like, this is fucking disgusting, but also, this would never happen. But this, the beginning of the book, I was like, oh, man, poor thing. Because that book was all very, that author is very talented, and I'm glad I read that book, but I will never reread that book, just because it, it was, was a very hard It was read. challenging. Yes. It was challenging both in subject matter and just, like, in terms of, like, the way that that plot developed in the way you kept thinking like oh my god like what am I reading right now and then it escalates it keeps escalating and I'm still not fully sure I grasp the substance behind the book fully well it was originally I think was it a Japanese book that was translated it's very primal yeah and so I wonder because I get what you mean, like, trying to find, like, the, the meaning behind it. But I did, like, I just, God, I felt so bad for that main character because you could see her family, like, you could pan out and see, like, if she was, there were so many situations where her life should have been good. Like, there were good yeah. people in her family. Well, and, like, she and even, just, like, tell, like, there's already an issue with emotional abuse and neglect from the mother, but that she goes to her mother and she tells her mother about the teacher's abuse and they just don't, and her mother dismisses it, won't hear it, tells her to suck it up. And it's so hard for me. That was the hardest thing in the entire book for me. Like with all the violence and cannibalism coming back to our main theme and everything else that's later in that book, that was the thing that was the most. Yeah. Um, and there's so, so much. I, <laughs> and it's a short book. It's not a very long book. No, it's very quick. And that cute um, little hedgehog on the cover. You have no <laughs> idea what you're getting into. Like, oh at God. all. That is the darkest it hedgehog. wild. It was so wild. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe, like, the going along compulsion of society is maybe the point. Yeah, it's it's been a while since I've read it and when I read it I think I read it in 2022 or even the very beginning of 2023 and it was like the sheer volume of the books I was reading I feel like I didn't probably sit with it enough but also mm. after it I it's was hard like, to I sit need with to... that after mm. it all it's hard but yeah to sit it was with that. it was so rough yeah 
But, you know, I think I read that the year that I was, like, determined to hurt myself with books because that same year I read. Oh, you had a you stretch. Know, Tender as the Flesh. And yeah. then I read, like, My Dark Vanessa, which is, like, the hardest book I've ever read. And it is not speculative at all. It is, like, just heartbreaking. It is a heartbreaking book. And then I read a book called Push, which is also just intense. So this year, I shall read fun books. <laughs> Have you read yet My Year of Rest and Relaxation? No, I want to read a lot of books list. by that author. Because I okay. see her books, and I'm so intrigued. Because people that like her, love her. Okay. How do you say her last name? Her first name starts with an M, and her last name starts with an O. It's Otessa oh, wait. Moshvig. Her I'm not sure either. Her first name starts with an O, and her last name starts with an O. Um, but yeah, some of her other books are Labona, Eileen. Labona I've seen everywhere. That sheep on the cover is striking. Um, and yeah, I've heard similar things about that one, about it's just dark and twisty and incredibly compulsive to read. I heard her so. books are like just these character studies of like really dark themes. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to get to that. To this. I, um, I've been on a cult kick lately, which I'm very happy <laughs> to move along from cannibalism, so... I think I'm going in the right I direction. I mean, it sounds like that has a lot of potential for overlap, to be fair. <laughs> oh, God. It probably is. Knock on wood. Can you just see going up to the bookstore, going in the bookstore and going up to, like, the nice, like, I don't know, 19-year-old that's working behind counters and can you assure me there's no cannibalism in this cult book? I need to stop reading cannibalism. Can you please help me? And then he starts going through it and they're like, yeah, no, no. Again. <laughs> None of these. I can't listen to any of these. I will say that is the beauty of being in a big city is that you are terribly and gloriously anonymous no matter where you go. Like I could go buy cannibals and books every week at the same place and they would not track it off. <laughs> I feel, I, I don't know, have, what was your probably, I don't know, happiest read of 2023? My happiest read? Like your lighthearted happiest read. Um, okay, I'm flipping through. I keep my list on bookshop.org, which is super handy. Okay, uh, my happiest read. Okay, I will say this. Usually I would say my Emily Henry books or my romance books of some sort, but I some of the romance that I read this year was fine but not spectacular. Emily Henry, like I said, I always love. Happy Place was a little bit sadder like it hit me in the feels more than most romances do i wasn't quite ready for it but hold on i'm flipping back still beach read was a great time and that's another emily henry most of what i read was pretty dark this year (laughs) i feel like i was reading dark books even when i wasn't necessarily intending to i would grab a book and think oh this will be a little dark and then it would be a good like it would gut me but I did read some cozy stuff. I read, um, what was the name of this book? With the the tea monk and the robot, A Psalm for the Wild Milk. Oh. It, it is, it's a pretty short book, and it is very cozy and happy. It has an audiobook, um, and I think there's a sequel, A Prayer for the Crown Shy. I haven't read it yet, but it's really good. And um, it's, it's really interesting. Like, the premise is, it's like this alternate world or whatever, where for a long time, humans had robots as not really as slaves they just like did everything they were workers and then one day i can't remember it's been a while since i read it and i can't remember anything because of my brain my adhd like it (laughs) all just goes away but they one day the robots were like okay we don't want to work anymore and the people were like well you don't have to we don't want you to be slaves and they're like okay and they all just went in the woods and disappeared And so this is, like, generations later, and, like, you can oh see God. where the robots were, but it's almost like this myth by this point. And then one day, this little guy who's, like, or, well, it's not a guy. It's a non-binary person. They um, they are a tea monk, and which is, like, a monk that prepares tea. And it's, you know, just this cozy little thing, and they go around in a, in a carriage, and a robot comes up. And this robot has been, like, well, the deal was, after, like, a thousand years or whatever, one of us will come up and how things are and see if you oh. need us and it's just from there and it's just really oh, like weird. it's really 
I don't know why it's happy, yes. <laughs> but it just is. It just makes it sounds me like feel a good. robot utopia. Yeah, I can't remember how it ends though. I need to go back. Hmm. And I'm the curious. other like oddly happy book I read was, of course, Miss Ruby Dixon's Ice Planet Barbarian. Oh, I never that too. thought that I would say <laughs> this about blue blue alien smut but that book is oddly wholesome and i will stand by that like it is funny and you laugh and when you read it you're like smiling because it's just ridiculous in the best way well it's a book that knows exactly what it is right so it has the right sort of humor to it it doesn't try to do anything that it's not it just it knows what it is and it leans into it and it has a good time it just delivers on it. the characters are really good yeah i agree um, now, I did read Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson this year, like right at the end of the year. And that had been on my list for quite a while because it has a lot of kind of on-the-surface similarities to what I'm currently writing. It had a set of five witches who were friends, who were now like adults and kind of like midlife, but came up together as younger people, like college age or so. It had a narrative that went between all five of them. It had, like, this whole, like, witching secret society, like, underneath normal culture going on and a lot of different things. And it turned out to be just an extremely different sort of book. So I'm glad I didn't try to use it as a comp before I read the full thing. That's why authors, you always read before you comp. Uh, Because based on everything I knew about it beforehand, it would have been easy to say confidently that it was very similar and it was not it was very different yes and um it's it it was just like a very different sort of treatment in a very different sort of tone i would i'm probably way off on this just because i read so dark but i would almost call it cozy definitely i would call it heartwarming okay um but just in terms of like it had a set of characters who other than the one who ended up being the villain of the story was extremely heartwarming. People like very intentionally go out of their way to make sure that they're assuming the best of each other. <laughs> like Aww. there's really good, like thoughtful communication between people. Like everyone's trying to like give each other tough love when they need it so they can grow and live their best life. Like those sorts of things are happening in a way that is like like less realistic to me than witches. But <laughs> But was, like, heartwarming to read. And then, like, the, the primary plot here actually is not so much about witches so much as it is about – so, like, the, the, the inciting incident is that there is a premonition – what's the word I'm looking for – of, like, witches who can see the future, who they're all seeing this harbinger of – I forget what it's called, but, like, one of those myths – where like like the antichrist or something is going to come and like destroy like all of society situation. yeah like the the harbinger of the armageddon yeah okay. is here and they identify the kid who is supposed to be this harbinger and like the thing is that like all of these future prediction things are always really wobbly sometimes they don't pan out sometimes they're misunderstood but everyone's seeing this and this is the thing and so one of the primary witches in this group of five is like well they're a new witch. We don't know anything else right now. Give them to me and I'll train them like I would have trained any other witch coming up back when I used to do this. And so, um, oh, and the other thing about that was this child was a boy. So it was not a wizard or a witch, but a warlock. Uh, but it turned out, like, one of the big twists of the story is, but also, like, crucial to the themes of the story and one of the significant things that's different is that it, it really deals with turf culture because it turns out that this young boy identifies deep down as female and so the big question that's split right so it so yeah so this this child is actually a girl but that's what ends up splitting this group of older witches who have been friends their whole lives apart is another one of them is the leader of the witching world at the moment and refuses to let this young witch into witching and keeps insisting that it is a warlock and that this is what is going to cause the ultimate Armageddon that destroys everything is because we're letting this trans woman, this trans girl into witching, right? And so it becomes this very 
divisive thing and it makes you think a lot about figures like jk rowling and you know like all of this like turf dumb culture that's going on and really takes it head on i love this book in response to jk rowling in theory because she wrote a whole witching world and she's like uh, that's true turf there is and so it, it, and I only say her because she is the, well, the, she's the number one name figure. that comes to mind for me when I think of turf. Well, yeah, and also but, you're reading a book about witches, and her whole career is built on a book about witches. Wizards, so it's, it's yeah. obvious to, like, I mean, it, it's natural, I think, to think of her. Yeah, yeah. You know. um, and definitely, uh, I think for, I don't know, I, I, she's one of the loudest, most, prominent voices probably out there in terms of some of the arguments that were being used to defend it uh, that were, you know, very recognizable and then used in this book. And so ultimately, you know, things come out. But uh, for those reasons, to me, it was a more heartwarming book than a lot of the things that I read where, you know, oh. like Earthling, for example. <laughs> Ooh, everything is more heartwarming than Earthling. Earthling is difficult. Yeah, is just it's just a rough ride. Just it hang becomes, on tight. At the end of Earthlings, I wasn't even like seeing. I couldn't let myself like see the story in my head anymore. I yeah. just had to just read the words and yeah. know what happened. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, it's true. Anyway, um, so Her Majesty's Royal Coven, really good book. Much more uplifting than I expected it to be. I expected it to be more like dark witchy, and it was very uplifting witchy. And uh, really fun to read. I just like had me really absorbed all the way through. I read it over the holiday break, so maybe I was more rested and able to commit to that than usual than I had other parts of the year. Was that your last read of 2023? It was, and I had a few really good ones leading up to that too. Uh, right before that, I read a study in a study in drowning um, by Ava Reed, which is all over TikTok. And I wasn't sure what to expect because TikTok books can be kind of hot or cold for me. Yeah. But this one was hot. It was so, so good. And I think something that kind of weirdly enriched it for me was that I was reading this on audiobook at the same time that I started reading The Salt Grows Heavy, which I'm still working on in print. Okay. And so they're very, very different books. But serendipitously, they both sort of connect – femininity to water if that yeah. makes sense <laughs> no it i think it does having read the salt grows heavy i get yeah I get what you mean. I, like at one point i was reading i don't even remember which one it was but like the two started to merge together because they were talking about that connection between water and fe feminine identity i think it was a study in drowning because i would have been listening to it but it like everything merged together for a moment and I was like which book is this again like they just like totally yeah. intersected um so it was kind of a cool coincidental thing that happened there um I'm still reading The Salt Grows Heavy but loving it that's a weird one Cassandra yeah. Ka, Ka like they're I feel like you you kind of have to almost read it on its own because it is so wild okay so yeah. Ava Reed has been on my radar for a while. Like, I, she's got several books I want to read, so I'll just add that one to my TBR yeah. as well. But The Salt Grows Heavy, okay. I don't want to give anything away with this book. This book is banana. Like, when I finished this book, it's a novella, first mm -hmm. off. And when I finished it, all I wanted was to throw it at Cassandra Cause and say, please make this into, like, <laughs> a really chonky, thick book because mm. there's so much there. Like, yeah. Like, it's, it's a good novella. It doesn't feel like a novella that's missing anything. It feels complete. But I was so engrossed in the world by the time I was done. I wanted I wanted to read the story of the things that the mermaid main character referenced before. I agree. Like, where her children, like, ate the whole kingdom. Yeah. I wanted to know where they were going. I wanted to know about the plague doctor. And then yeah. after the ending, I wanted to see what came next. So it was really good. And it wasn't a novella like, I need more. This is incomplete. Like, it was a, a whole story, and it was great. But she's – or they are just – sheesh, yeah. they're great. <laughs> and I don't want to give too much away about the story. So this is a story that is very dark. It is mm -hmm. a very dark story. But when you finish it, it feels like a heartwarming story. Ooh, so okay. I'm excited you, for like, that. They pulled that off wonderfully. Nice. And it's just very striking. 
uh, Cassandra Kai, the writing of this story is so concise and sharp. And there's something about the telling of this story that to me feels very much like fairy tales or folklore, which is very appropriate because it does kind of draw from the oh, yeah. origin of the Little Mermaid yeah. uh, in, in like the most brutal original form of it, not the Disney version. And uh, so there's a huge amount of brutality and pain and just like body horror from what I've read in the story so far. And um, I, I think another piece of this is that usually when you're reading a fairy tale or some sort of folklore, I was thinking about this just yesterday. So you're usually a little bit removed and it's like a third person telling and you're not really in anyone's head or seeing their emotions or anything. But this is told in first person from the mermaid's point of view. And so there's like this very visceral feeling that I get while I'm reading it because you have all of that violence going on, but she's experiencing it all. One thing that Cassandra Call did perfectly, I felt like with this character was they, yeah, they it, they can tie it back to the myth, but it, I mean, to the, the you know, of the Little Mermaid. I don't know what it's called, the tale of the Little Mermaid. But it's not like a retelling. It's more like, okay, if you, the, the sea is a violent place. Like, everything's eating everything. It's cold. It's dark. You have a creature from the sea, and then you have this prince that rules the land and feels like he can do anything. And then he wants this creature from the sea, and so he takes her. But she is cunning and knows how to get her revenge. And it's so it, they just really take it and go there with it. And it feels dark and real. And the mermaid, seeing the mermaid in this context, you know very much this is not just a person that happens to swim in the ocean. Like it's a whole different creature. <laughs> The way they think about this is things, a monster. Their morals, the way you yeah. know, it's completely different. And the plague doctor, I don't know how far you've made it into it, but we get little glances, glimpses of their their past. Um, and it just it. The author does this wonderful thing that is really hard to do, especially in a novella, especially in like fantasy, where it's like world building because they built this whole huge world in this little bit of real estate which is very difficult is they know exactly what not to say they know the parts mm, to leave out so they give yes. you just enough you flesh it out in your head and they don't have to tell you more they can tell you this one sentence of something that happened and that's all you get and that's all you need and it's better for it uh-huh you know yeah like no you're absolutely small. right you hit the nail on the head i there's certain times where i but just bizarro choices are made. They'll explain to you all the way through, this is what's happening. It's all crystal clear, but you have no idea why it's happening, how they feel while it's happening, or anything. And you're right, it's incredibly captivating. And it's something that got me about this book. Um, two others that came to mind as you said that, that were just like Roman Empire level books for me were Gingerbread by Helen... Oh yeah, yummy, and also um, Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas, which you know is one of my all-time faves. But they both master that as well because both of those books, you know exactly what's going on at every moment. But there are so many times where the why and the emotion behind things are just emitted in a way that is captivating. Catherine House. Is I haven't read Gingerbread, but Catherine House especially because it's been a few years since I read that book, but I remember feeling like every character, like I knew every character, and every character didn't have equal, like there were some characters that were hardly on the page, but the way they were talked about by others, like things you got from them, you knew them. And it was just really interesting, and it was a whole different spin on like Dark Academia, um, I think it qualifies as dark academia. It's a boarding school. Oh, yeah. I think so it's gothic. It's like looking gothic sci-fi. Yeah. It is just this, oh, God, I love a good genre mashup yeah. like that. Like, I just it's love so good. it when it works. It's uh -huh. perfect. And P.S., I think about that snail so often. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it's funny how you can do little moment of cruelty and give a person's whole personality through, like, a minuscule detail. Like, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. Mm. 
Okay, I have one more book that was just like a total banger for me at the end of the year that we have okay. to talk about. Sure. And it's The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey. Have you read this? This is on my Libby queue. I've had okay. it for weeks. I love Sarah Gailey. Um, she's great. I haven't read that one yet, though. I can see the cover. It's like a teal cover, and it's got like Yeah, it's the... got the rings. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so I knew going into this book that it was like – Hugo nominee and da 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 da. And anytime you see anything about Sarah Gailey, it's you know the author of The Echo Wife. And I have read other books by them, the um, Magic for Liars, which I loved. And the one where the dad is the serial killer. Oh, with that house, um, just like home. Yes, yeah. And then she wrote the Hippo stories too. Hippo. American Hippo. It is so different. Oh. It is so different than anything else they've written. Okay. Um, but so I thought I knew what to expect going into this story because I've seen it so many different places. I've read enough Sarah Gailey and I started the story and it was not at all what I expected. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, really good. And just to kind of give a sense of the premise, because even this, I wasn't understanding going in. I, it starts with a woman who's a scientist and she's at the pinnacle of her career. She's being awarded for her incredible research achievements, da, da, da. And then you kind of slowly start to realize that her husband has very recently left her, so she's going home to an empty house, and he's not there with her that night, and da 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 And then she kind of carries on her career and has this very kind of like standard routine sort of life, and then one day his the, – the woman that he left her for comes to her and asks to meet with her. And you slowly start to realize through the narrative that – the wife that he, the new wife that he, the husband left the scientist for, is a clone of herself no. who has been pre-programmed to be submissive and have oh, less of a personality gross. and drive. Oh. And then you start to realize that the science that allowed this to happen was the wife's own research. Oh no! Because. She was working on creating clones for like, like basic, like like basically like drone humans. So like they weren't supposed to be fully developed, but then the husband preferred this underdeveloped, unagency, uh, like this this unagented self yeah. version of his wife to his actual wife. No. And then, okay, I don't know how much to tell you, but anyway. This readers, spoilers, readers. Okay, now tell me. Okay, about spoilers. It. Okay, if you want it, skip past this if you want. But okay, so between you and me and in the wall, and none of the readers who don't listen because they're good about spoilers, I. So then you realize that the reason this wife was contacting the ex-wife is because she got so fed up with this husband that she accidentally killed him. And she's not supposed to have that much agency just based on the clone work that she'd done. Like, she'd el- eliminated that sort of thinking. She's yeah. this, this wife is now pregnant, and she's not supposed to be able to get pregnant. Like, all of these sorts of things are happening. So she's, like, spiraling for that, too. And so there's so much baggage between these two women, but this woman's also a curiosity to the researcher because right. okay. all of the okay. anomalies. And, um, and so, like, there's so many different scenes where, like, she's observing this echo version of herself who, like, is there and being, like, very contained. She'll only say positive things, and so you have to read between the lines of what she's not saying, or, like, she'll just be standing there waiting, and you're like, what are you waiting for? And it's like, she needs to be told it's okay for her to, like, go to bed or go to the bathroom. Gailey, holy shit. It's so good. So, So, anyway, the bulk of the actual plot of this book is this researcher working with this clone of herself who stole her husband away by accident working to create a clone of the husband that the first clone murdered so that they can replace him before anyone knows that he's gone because the researcher's entire body of science work will be destroyed if anyone finds out that this all happened because then the clone of herself will be discovered and it will like be compromise everything she's done because this person should work her butt off for right. this, so she can't 
I, if you could see me right now, listeners, my mouth has been like hanging open. It's so good. Gasping the whole time EJ's talking because I had no idea that was going to happen. Oh, I, right? I had no idea. And so it started and I was like, okay. And then it escalated and I was like, what? And then it escalated again. It was like, oh my God. And then it was just, <laughs> shoosh. Slow. It, it just raced through the rest of it. Oh, and, um,. So, yeah, and then, of course, the writing's incredible because Sarah Gailey is very talented. And, uh, yeah, it just it very clearly merited ever all of the recognition and buzz that I got. I was blown away. Um, and it gets into so many different things, but, like, like, right at its core is that sense of, like, gender politics and yeah. gender roles and the, the dichotomy of, yeah, what it means to be a woman and want to have your own life and then the types of boxes that are forced on you and all of that so it was really 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 good <laughs> yeah I want to read it this is that mm-hmm. I, I when I told you, you I had no clue I, I didn't either yeah wild okay. yeah 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 that's that's a good one then I don't think I've re- I'm trying to think about what I read last year that made me feel like that where I was just like mind blown and I know there has to be something because there were moments where I could just close my eyes but yeah. I, I feel like I read a lot, and I, I didn't really soak anything in like I should. Mm. Um, the last book I read of the year was called Just Like Mother. And I'm not <laughs> going to lie, I bought it because of the cover. Because the cover is so odd. It is, like, teal, and it's bright colors. It's and it striking. Like this, it's got, like, this doll face on it. That book is banana pants. It is really good. It's banana pants. There's, like, it's a, I think it kind of set off my cult path now mm. when i was sick i binge all the um the cult documentaries uh the one about the true twin flames or whatever it, that's oh. nuts like if you want to really binge something i think there's one twin on netflix is a and one on theory. prime okay and i read just like mother and now i'm reading I, did I, I don't know if i talked about this on here earlier or if me and you were just chatting but black sheep by rachel harrison yeah yeah you mentioned did I mention it on the podcast or were we? Yeah. Talking? Okay. It's a. Uh, it's really good. I'm about fifty five percent of the way done, and I know it's a good. Like there was a point in like chapter three where I literally was like, like I thought I knew where it was going, and then I gasped. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> it was just such a subtle twist. And looking back, I'm like, yeah, I see what you did there, Rachel Harrison. I see because the way it was set up, she made you really think that. Like, the language used, like, you knew what you were getting into, and, like, nope. And I'm not even spoiling it by telling you that, because you will not guess. Okay. Oh, fascinating. Okay. I I will pick it up. And then, I would say the weirdest book I read in 2023, (laughs) I got into, like, this weird indie horror hole for a minute, because, you know, I don't appreciate all the traditionally published books anymore. Whatever. Because you want different things, too, for different moments. Like, definitely. sometimes you want Donna Tartt. And sometimes you want, yeah, yeah, yeah. I discovered puppets in the walls of my apartment. That book was like, <laughs> it did not make sense. I enjoyed every minute of it. It did not make sense at all. It is such it an internet so, age title. Like, but it's na- just all of these books are like that. There's one that's like, I found a circus tent in the woods behind my house. Oh my Do God. you know what they are? I, I know exactly what this man read when he was a kid. He read Goosebumps because oh. these are like Goosebumps for adults. I was going to say, it sounds a little Bradbury-ish too. It, it's, well, it's it's very much like this is some shit that's happening. I'm going to maybe throw that's you an explanation. It doesn't have to really stick, but, you know, what if Big Bird was going to eat you? <laughs> it's just so. What if Big Bird was going to eat you? It was like, it was so weird. It was. This guy's living, so his his grandfather was a puppeteer and writer for a show that was basically Sesame Street. They didn't call it Sesame Street, but that's what it was. It was mm-hmm. fictionalized Sesame Street. And there was, like, this apartment he lived in that looked just like the set of Sesame Street. Like, okay. they rented out. And then him and his, his grandfather disappeared, and so him and his cousin are back there, and they're trying to, like, sort through his things, and then there's a puppet in the wall, and they follow it in. And it's weird. It's very meta. You go in, you go down, you're back in the house, and you go down the stairs, and there's another version of the house. So, like, it just keeps going forever and ever. And mm. then I, 
I don't even know what to tell you. These puppets are following him, so there's this creeping dread. And then the, the puppet, there's like this blob in the middle of the house just pulsating. And something to do with like Russian <laughs> demonology. Oh, and then I think the puppet started eating people. And that's Russian basically demonology. the book. And it ends with, spoiler, puppet apocalypse. The puppets get out and just go into the city. It is very Goosebumps. It is Amazing. very Goosebumps. I read it in a day. Super easy. Scratched an itch I didn't know I had. <laughs> um, that sounds great. But I did learn something about myself. About yeah. a trope that I love. Regardless on if it is in the most well-written, highly praised book, or if it is just, like, somebody doing, like, like, I'm going to write this on my lunch break and throw it out there and not edit it. Like, it, it's creeping dread. Anything where the dread, uh, like, notches up and notches yeah. up, and you're just like, okay, okay, what, what's happening? That, I'm finding, is will lure me in faster than anything. And unfortunately, I'm blanking on the titles of all the books I've read that employ that trick. All right. Well, we've been going for quite a while. There was a lot to cover. Yes. However, quickly, are there any things that you are excited to get to in 2024, whether they are new releases or just things that you haven't gotten to yet or what? I won't even dive into books because there's a ton. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just never ending. Um, But for shows, I really want to see the movie – called Poor Things. It's got Emma Oh my Stone. god, me too. I started to read the book and I couldn't get into it and I set it down. But I feel like I have no reason to feel this way other than I, I just do. That the author was going somewhere with it. Like that he was setting me up uh-huh. to have the ick for a point to like twi- twist it. Yeah. Like I can't believe the whole book would be the ick. Well, so I'm going to see the movie before I invest in reading the book. It's an old book. It's been out for a long time. Yeah. And I do implicitly a little bit trust Emma Stone. Yes. Uh, so I am hopeful. I think the production of the film version looks really quirky and fun. So I I'm hoping that they know what they're doing. Yes. I, but I, yeah, because like the premise of this is kind of like a gender flipped Frankenstein sort of scenario, but is but it's the weird. brain, but the brain inside the revived corpse woman is that of a newborn baby, right? So in the book, what happens is okay. this was one thing that was weird in Betty the Ick. They talked about they found the woman, they fished her out, and he's like, maybe he could have saved her, but if she like went through this whole process to um. like to like kill herself basically um, oh i feel like i don't know um i should give a trigger warning there but that's what the, the movie's about she she threw herself in the river or whatever um, um yeah trigger warning for this whole thing i'm about to tell you this is why i kind of got the ick a little bit um he's like who am i to save her maybe i should give her a new brain and they're like okay well you could have saved her but you didn't you gave her a new brain well where did you get her brain he's like what did you do with the baby he's like well that's where i got the brain so she was pregnant oh and he took her baby's brain. Oh. And I don't know if that's what they're doing in the movie, but that's, they went there with the book. That's a lot right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. And then he kind of had, like, the hots for her. Oh, good. Yeah. And that's why I was like, mm, I'm now, not doing this. What I've heard from <laughs> reviews, having not known any of that. Doesn't um, it change it a little bit, though? It does. It makes like, it extra weird it was already super weird um but what i heard is like part of like the thematic bit of the movie is that you have this female body with a brain like an adult body so adult impulses if you will uh adult needs uh but that the newborn's brain means that you are looking at an adult physicality with absolutely no inhibitions or societal uh, impositions on how they choose to behave. And so it creates sort of like a blank slate sort of situation of like, what are our natural impulses and like contrasting against what society tries to force us into. So in the book, I didn't make it very far, but in the book, the brain was catching up. Like, it was aging okay. really quick. 
So like one week it's like that the girls playing with babies. The next <laughs> week it's like it's um like with kids. Like it, it was just kind of weird. The whole it be, I don't know why. It oh, it's it still very me, weird. It's it, I'm going to see the movie. I want to see the movie and compare. Um, and then if the movie if I don't have the ick from the movie, then I'll probably go read the book because like I said, I feel like there was gonna be a point given. Well, I know no one wants to admit this ever, but in truth, every once in a while, the movie adaptation is better than the original book. Oh, totally. Especially if you don't, if it's an, if it's something super weird and you don't know the author enough to trust them. Yeah. Then sometimes the movie gets there. But I mean, like sometimes there's something that gets like a little bit like distilled, like it gets that extra chance to be kind of like reshaped yeah. or tweaked a little bit in a way that's maybe a little bit more digestible or I mean realistically sometimes it totally changes the themes with a few little tweaks oh, yeah. and that can be really disorienting but it also can be really compelling when it's done in an intelligent way I'm trying to think of another example right now and I don't have one so this is completely unfounded but it can be done in a way that makes this like it serves the medium and what needs to be done with that format but oh, takes a nugget are, from original source you honestly know? i think absolutely i think some because it's all about story right yeah it, it boils down to story and some stories are told better i think with the visual aspect and yeah, like shortened um somebody said that and i think it's what is it that movie star something i think neil gaiman wrote the book starlight stardust star I think it's Stardust. Is it Stardust? I've heard several people say that the movie is actually better, but for different reasons. I don't think it's necessarily a theme issue with that one. I think it's just so visually striking and well done. Huh. I didn't even know that had a film. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. It came out in the early 2000s. It's really good. Oh, okay. Gaming wasn't on my radar yet, I don't think. Um, okay. Can I ask you one more thing before we get yeah. off? Did you watch? I'm trying to, because I, I didn't have anything to like add about watching in 2023 but did you watch follow the house of usher three yeah what did you think because i liked it like i really liked it there were things that were fun about it but i think i went into it with some baggage i have never read the original edgar Allan poe story but Uh one of my favorite books of all time is martian chronicles by ray bradbury Mm -hmm. and so i did come into this story with the very twisted uh, iteration of the House of Usher that is the recreated house from the story that someone decides to build on Mars. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, this is one of the short stories. Like, so Martian Chronicles is a series of short stories, and it kind of chronicles over its arc a bigger picture of what happens when humanity takes over a new planet. But within it are all sorts of different stand like standalone sorts of things and one of these stories focuses specifically on an individual who takes all of his wealth moves to mars and recreates the house of usher in all of its darkness and invites a bunch of people over and like basically recreates the entire thing and so the entire thing is like an and then there were one there were none sort of situation you watch them all kind of die in these weird ways that alludes back to this original story that I never bothered to read. So that was what was in my head when I started the series. Mm -hmm. And what I actually ended up watching had nothing at all to do with Mars. Uh, (laughs) No. More seriously, though. More seriously, though, like, I thought it was going to be, like, very much like a haunted house spooky sort of a thing. And it ended up being, yeah, like a haunted family, um, more of like a, like, because of the times it very much had that uh secession sort of vibe to it too in terms of like the rich family and the power dynamics and what that does to everybody it was very good it wasn't what i was seeking okay that's fair yeah that's fair because i went into it with absolutely no expectations except i want something spooky and i want to be entertained and it definitely satisfied that. Plus, I am a sucker for any kind of deal with the devil trope. Like, uh, okay. um, and then your kids are, like, having to pay for it. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, like, because the whole thing is he makes a deal with the devil to be uber successful, but his line ends with him. So, like, 
any kids yeah. who had ever – It is good. Yeah. It, it's, it's some cool plot twists and everything. And it was neat the um, way they decided to adapt it using, like, big pharma and uh, yeah. some – some sketchier parts of a business, you know, things that we, it's easy for us to believe that unscrupulous things go down in. Yeah. Uh, so I was like hook, line, and sinker, but it is, you have to understand for me, it is very, very, like I want to suspend disbelief. <laughs> like I want to like something. So if I, I like, there were a lot of fun things that they did. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, that was really bad. And they delivered on the camp and the gore in terms yes. of how each one of them went. And so I wanted campy. I wanted like, do you remember Midnight Mass? Yes. From a couple years ago. That's what I wanted. That one hit like me that. where I live. That okay. one was like, yeah, it, like that's the other thing was like, I went into the Halloween season being like, what's Netflix's Midnight Midnight Mass this year going to be? Because yeah. that one was incredible and I loved it. So and so I wanted something epic like that and this wasn't it didn't strike that same chord for me and it, it wasn't meant to so i'm using the wrong it was like assessment for it but with the but Bible. yeah um and then the other thing that netflix has done in recent years that i really enjoyed for halloween was that guillermo del toro produced miniseries oh no 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 it was a miniseries where he kind of put the whole thing together, but then he had different emerging directors come and do each individual episode, and they were each standalone stories. Okay. And they were different, scary, dark, haunted, whatever stories. You would enjoy it if you haven't seen it already. It was called Cabinet of Curiosities. Okay, I have seen this, but I didn't know what it was about. And each one's I different. get, like, brain overload when I scroll and just end up not watching anything. Or you end up watching like the same thing again. End up watching New mm -hmm. Girl for the hundredth mm -hmm. time. It's so <laughs> much. Yeah. yeah, like it's bad. I watch New Girl and then I'll read New Girl quotes on the internet and uh. laugh out loud to myself. Like it's really, <laughs> it's really bad. I'll be like, oh yeah, that was a good one. And my kids are like, mom, stop. Like that shit. He's hilarious. Oh, he is hilarious. <laughs> um, but I will check that out. So. Mm. I'm yeah. so glad we're d we did this episode. This was so fun. Do you it's have nice anything uh, you're looking forward to in 2024? I have no idea what's happening in 2024. I don't know what's happening ever. I, I, I really don't. <gasps> I know um, what you're looking forward to in 2024. This girl's a killer. Oh, yes. Fuck yes, I am. By Emma C. Wells. That's right. What? <laughs> Shameless promotion. I have to have my own podcast to promote myself because I, I'm too embarrassed to ask other people to promote myself. <laughs> So I just started my own. No, I'm joking. <laughs> totally joking. No, I mean we should be doing that here. It's it's good. No. <laughs> you should do that. That that is an excellent ending point. It's 2024. Tell us what you're excited about and make sure that you go and add Emma C. Wells, This Girl's a Killer on Goodreads right now. <laughs>